it is time once again uh, for you probably guessed it if you pushed uh, play on your your app. Uh, it is the most interesting topic in the room. This is my podcast. I am JV, <clears throat> and I am here with you again. I'm very excited. This is the tenth episode. It's, that means it's been ten weeks. God, ten weeks. And it's so so little to show for all of it. But uh, actually, no, there's quite a lot to show for it. I have been uh, personally enjoying the process, and I think that, uh, for myself anyway, just the process itself is interesting. So if you're following along and interested in what might come out of my mouth or spill out of my brain hole, uh, that is, uh, this is worthwhile for you. Certainly worthwhile for me. I... Uh, I so this is the 10th episode I've been kind of saving up and pushing myself to try some different things and uh, get a little more loose and uh, I was holding out for the 10th episode I want to I'm going to go back we're going back to world travel I had like that uh, second episode I burned through all that time and uh, I didn't even come close to to uh, getting through my list of places I had been or thoughts I had and uh, so, yeah, let's make it real nice and simple. And I'm going to do that partly because I um, I am about to go on a trip, an international trip. And I'm very excited about that. And so to honor the furthering of more travel into the world and more cultural exchange and more uh, just general fun in in the on the globe. I'm going to do a, a world travel follow follow up and we'll just keep going with that. But first, I would like to thank my cat for uh, being so soft and furry and making me sneeze as he will do. And, uh, and I will uh, call him out as my sponsor of the day. Oscar the cat is with us. Uh, actually, he's uh, he is outside in the sun and roaming about. He's an indoor outdoor cat, and uh, he is very pleased to get to have the run of the neighborhood and to flop around and sleep outside, as he as he is wont to do. But anyway, he is with us, and uh, through through the miracle of uh, I was going to call it radio, but this ain't radio, friends. This is some other weird amalgamation of ones and zeros, but it all seems to come out the same. You can listen to it and you can hear it. So let's just call it radio. Radio. Radio Free JV. I want to get back. I want to go back a little bit. Um, go back to the past. 12 years ago, 13 years ago, back when I was doing that big old travel trip, trip travel, I, there's so many stories. I was thinking today about something that was very interesting when I was in Budapest. Uh, one of the great things about Budapest, now I know Budapest right now, if you're paying any attention, Budapest, Hungary, they're having <clears throat> some crazy political stuff going on with the nativism and nationalism and you know it's the whole kind of closing the borders and getting really anti-immigrant and whatever i'm not hungarian so i don't i don't know but you know it's a little disconcerting but 
I can say this, my experience of going to Budapest was tremendous. I fell in love with that city. And the architecture and the sculpture in particular, the public sculpture is stunning and shocking. I had no idea. It is precise. It is alive. It's something to see. It's all over the city. There's like bodies coming out of sides of buildings and stuff. It's like, what is going on around here? Everything is so pristine and precise though with regard to this stuff it's not like a when you're looking at their sculpture it is like you're looking at a person it's really fascinating so there's a lot of art going on there i went to the uh went to a museum and there uh, you know all the if you're into art and painting going to europe is probably one of the greatest things you can do for yourself because in most of the places i've been the galleries and the museums are chock full of all that stuff that you read about and see in books and you get a chance to actually see it and holy god it is amazing some of that stuff because it's the real deal i can uh relate my experience a couple of years ago and being in france for the first time and going to paris and went to the louvre and you know you go to the louvre all right i'm gonna go see the mona lisa whatever <laughs> gonna see it gotta see it and uh walking into that room which was a crazy scene i've never seen anything quite like it with all the people uh massed the mass of people with that one little painting behind a you know there's like a barrier and there's guards and it's behind glass and it's a whole the whole thing as it should be and i know i had no expectation it's almost bucket list that was almost bucket list like okay we'll just see it but when I walked in the room and I saw that painting, I was immediately transfixed. I stood there and I got myself in a place where I could be far enough away that I wasn't in a crush and I, and I could just stand there. But I was close enough that I could really still see her. And it's magical. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, it's not everybody's experience. But my experience was I was rooted to the spot I was standing in and I never seen anything so luscious and lovely uh, as far as painted image, the colors, the, the, the quality of her skin, the, the magnitude of the, the achievement, the Da Vinci gain got there out of that i literally stood there and i was i was asking myself are you falling in love with this woman 500 years dead are you is this happening right now are you literally feeling romantic feelings for this woman are you feeling that and i had to say yeah i am i'm like falling in love i feel that that's the most one of those beautiful things i've ever put my eyes on so uh it's out there it's in europe right it's 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 all over the place it's all over the continent and um and i'm just completely divergent today <laughs> i'm not going to... so let's talk about this first before we go back to budapest and i tell my story i talk my story if you're ever in prague you should check out their national gallery if you're into art at all it's it's something like five stories uh, it's this gigantic, massive old building that 
has more art in it than you could ever fathom and you need days you need multiple days to take it in I did it in like I don't know why six or seven hours straight and we only made it through I don't know a couple floors on one side of the building not knowing what I was getting into exhausted crushed by the end but I can say this it was a really remarkable experience the section I went through where it's kind of like a, a history of Czech art and it starts in the 20s and you get these photographs that in, in the style of Man Ray, if you know Man Ray, and then you get the, <clears throat> very quickly after that, then the Nazis invade and there's like everything's <laughs> suppressed and nothing's happening and then the Russians take over after World War II and then you get this long chunk of time these decades under communist dictatorship communist rule where the art is suppressed and the art is underground it's literally it's being made and it's literally being uh housed in basements and shown uh, you know illicitly and then and it's just going on you know you can get thrown into prison secret police get a hold of you all this stuff like this stuff is illegal and the art is so powerful. You can see the raw reality of what the artists were doing. Everything knocked my socks off. It was all really challenging. You know, it goes head to head with anything that was happening in the West in the in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Unbelievably high quality stuff. And you go all the way through to the end and you get to... Uh, you get to where they have their democratic revolution and it is the most unbelievable thing visually because right after the revolution the art instantly changes all the colors change before there was a lot of black a lot of darkness and immediately there's all this bright color and and all this you know these paintings in the in my opinion it just like the emotion died you know where it was like ah breath of fresh air, freedom. They can experiment, they can join the world, but the edge disappeared. And it was really remarkable. It made me think a lot about how the tension of, of a suppressed population or of a suppressed person, an artist who feels oppressed or suppressed, it, the, the art is so much better. You know, like the music is so much better. It's like you know, rock and roll is the cry of breaking loose from the strictures of old ways. And it, and you can see that. And then and rock and roll getting into the Soviet Union back in the day was a big deal. And rock and roll getting into the Czech Republic back in the day was a big deal. I know Václav Havel, who wound up being president um, of, of the Czech Republic, back in the day when he was you know being arrested and all this stuff like he was hearing the Beatles and they got a hold of uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention back in the day and that blew their minds and and there is uh, a period where before Zappa died he got invited over the to Prague and he was given a hero's welcome. I mean, he was like stunned by how big he was <laughs> in the Czech Republic. They were like 
he provided them something in the middle of dictatorship that nobody else could. And, you know, that's, that's an amazing thing. So you could see it. You could see it in Prague. You see it in the art there. Um, if you're into it and you can get over there, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of art in the Czech Republic and there's a lot of really incredible stuff going on. Even, you know, so even after that, after the communist fall, you know, what I saw in that exhibit was interesting how it displayed what happened after the revolution. It seemed a little weak to me, a little less emotion, just a lot more experimentation. That being said, there are some artists over there um, who are doing things that are really challenging and really make you feel uncomfortable uh, and make you think. So that is definitely, there is still really edgy stuff going on. It's just now going in a different direction for different reasons. Back to Budapest. I was thinking about this today. I hadn't thought about this in a while. So we go to a gallery and there's a, or a museum and there's a, a gallery in the museum and they're doing a particular show. They've collected all of this work and it's all, um, I mean, and I don't, I don't speak Hungarian. I can't read Hungarian. I don't know what it's about. I can just see it. It's all this historic work and it's all about sensuality and sexuality and sex and, um, and the human body and, and through, and it's, it's, it was exquisite. It was really incredible. It was a really beautiful thing and it was very sensual. What struck me at the time though was you know there's families in there and kids and all this stuff and and I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what I was seeing but I was thinking at the time it was my American sensibilities I was going oh my gosh I can't believe they have children in here and then I realized well this is an interesting cultural experience let's observe this a little bit my feelings about this and thinking about this particular show And I realized that if this show, which in the scheme of things is relatively benign, I mean, it's paintings and it's all historical stuff. None of it is contemporary. It was all from history, from collections. But here it all is. Here's Europe. Europe not having a hang up on sex and sexuality and the difference that exists between their cultures and the way that they can embrace sexuality and actually have their families be a part of that and have kids around it. And it's nothing to be ashamed of or be weirded out by, or you don't cover their eyes or you just, it's just there. It's just normal human life. And I'm having my little reaction, which is like, Ooh, this makes me uncomfortable because there's children around. And I'm thinking if this was in the United States, this show would be controversial literally there would be people picketing this thing we would have to put a sign up that would warn parents about the content of the show don't let your children in here there's bad things in here and that just made me really aware of you know there's a cultural difference and there's our 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 interesting sort of puritanical roots and this inability to um to embrace sex and sexuality in a way that's healthy and normal to normalize it instead we continue to suppress it and you know there's moral there's like a moral judgment around it and all these weird rules and everybody gets you know suppressed and oppressed and weird and then and then what we wind up having in our country is all these really 
bizarre reactions uh, that occur where people, you know, like I said, you, we'd have people picketing. We'd have people, you'd have to have a sign up. There'd be warnings for this content. But I'm, now I'm also thinking like how strange it is that we have this, uh, the, what the suppression of sex has done in our country where we suppress something normal and completely natural and then you watch the behaviors, the abnormal behaviors that develop because of it. And we've got, you know, I mean, the most popular thing on the internet is porn. That is what is the most popular thing on the internet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, years ago, I was talking to a guy about strip clubs, you know, where it was like, and I've never been to a strip club. I've had no desire to do so. And he had, and he was talking about how strange, you know, like, isn't it weird how weird this is that um, our culture suppresses this? And yet it says, okay, but it's okay to have a strip club and men can go to this and watch women take their clothes off. But you, you know, but there's no touching, right? I mean, obviously there's no touching, like there's no... There's nothing. You are removed from each other. And there's nothing natural about it. So what a weird, you know, as he was saying, isn't that a weird thing that our culture says it's bad and yet it's okay to do this thing and it's so much more weird and, and semi-perverted because of it instead of just having this normalized sexuality where it's like, it's okay, people have sex and it's a beautiful thing. Don't be freaked out by it. Anyway, this exhibition, obviously, in uh, Budapest brought all that up. Now, isn't that amazing? It just, you know, burned through another 10 minutes of your life telling you about that. Uh, but anyway, I was thinking about that. It's like, here's these interesting little cultural differences. So what am I going to talk about now? I mean, I'm just going to go random because I got this big list in front of me of places and things that, I, you know, places I went and um, and there's a many, many interesting things. And I, and I think the most interesting thing about travel is is uh, the cultural observance. I know I've said this, the observance of of another culture ultimately is about you observing your own culture uh, and what is evoked in you while you're in the midst of this other country and this other culture, this other land, the foreign lands. It's a pretty miraculous thing what happens if you're open to it. I'm not going to go on a diatribe about the, you know, ugly this, that, or the other, because there's plenty of them. People are people. are People People are people, and I am not, I let's let's start right here. I am not perfect, and I, anytime I um, come off as judgy, I apologize, because again, I'm human, I get wrapped up in my own feelings about things, I'm trying to be really measured, I'm trying to just be, you know, open and non-judgy to a point, but at the same time, I think it's important to have an opinion. So therefore, here now and then, I may say something that you don't agree with or that you find judgy, but I'm not going to judge anybody today. How's that? I refuse. 
It's an open slate today. So I had an interesting experience. Ah, let's let's talk a little Cambodia, just a little. Going to Angkor Wat, um, going to Siem Reap. I, I, well, you know, I'm, 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 what I'm going to say is I highly recommend it. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like, I don't know now, uh, you know, that's like good and bad. It's all mixed. There's all this tourism that's going on. You know, I'm, I'm telling right off the bat, I'm in this podcast. I'm telling you, get a plane ticket and go somewhere and do these things. And then I'm, but at the same time, it's such a mixed bag because tourism is such a huge thing now. And I've been enough places to see that tourism itself is destructive to culture and you know there's a lot of money pouring into certain places and some places become a destination you know a target destination so like venice (laughs) i was in venice last year i fell in love with venice but venice has almost been gutted completely because tourism has has like i mean that's all it is almost it's almost 100 percent tourists now the local culture has been gutted out there's a thousand people a year leaving they're down to whatever they're down to forty-eight thousand or something and it used to be a city you know of hundreds of thousands and with a rich culture and i was lucky enough to be able to find some nooks and crannies where the local cultures occurring and it was lovely it was great it was like i, I just kind of hung out and stayed in those places because you could see the locals with the families and the kids and the grandparents and all this good good energy and you can just see it it's like oh this is what it's about this is what venice is really about it's not about anything else i mean the canals are beautiful it's beautiful there's no question but whatever experience the tourists are having in the midst of the mass of tourists is entirely different than what the locals are having in their little nooks and crannies And those nooks and crannies are getting smaller and smaller. And it's almost inevitable that Venice will die. I mean, it's dying right now as far as a cultural place, a place where people live. And then the other reality is Venice is going to become submerged when the water rises, when the glaciers, you know, not when they melt, but when they melt enough. Because they're melting right now, right now now right now right now and right now it's melting and the oceans are rising uh and you know eventually venice is just going to disappear unfortunately under the water but before that it's probably going to die the sad death of tourist overload it's definitely happened uh it's it's happening so I want to say go to Angkor Wat, go to Siem Reap, because it's one of the most incredible experiences you could ever have, because Angkor Wat is one of the great wonders of the world, one of the great ancient wonders of the world. Um, but I am sure that in the last uh, 13 years, things have changed so substantially over there that I wouldn't even recognize it as far as tourists and when i was there there were big hotels going in and um people you know people could fly in to the airport and get whisked away on you know you can basically be whisked away so that you didn't have to encounter poor people 
and then get out into the temples and and not you know kind of avoid the the reality of the local populace and so i'm a little leery of it i i've read a lot of things i think there's you know money money is king and when i was there here's so here's an interesting thing to know about uh cambodia uh the prime minister was this is now the same prime minister who was in power when I was there. And they basically are one party rule now. And it's all that classic what's become what's become classic authoritarian, you know, kind of a dictator, but it's really about money. And so they like, you know, they national you know, a lot of industries are nationalized and then the people who are in power are actually the ones who get all the money. So with Think or Why, it was a tough thing. You know, you got to buy a pass, uh, this big pass. That's like 60, 60 American dollars, which is a gigantic amount of money over there. And that's what it used to be. And that went to the National Oil Company because the National Oil Company owned the uh, temples of Angkor Wat. They just owned it. <laughs> and then you got all the local populace who's there. And they're poor. And it's one of the poorest parts of the country the north nor uh, the west northwest and the locals are just scraping for anything and you get you could see the layers the 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 sedimentary layers of society there where there's hotel you know there's guest house owners well, i mean i was traveling on the low end i didn't stay at a hotel it's like find a guest house okay so there's guest house owners people who work at guest houses and then there's restaurants and people do that and you get down a little bit farther and there's the the tuk-tuk drivers or, you know, the, the tour guides. These are not really tour guides. People who you hook up with who will drive you from your guest house to the temples every day. And that's what they do. And you pay them and they're really good at, you know, you, you know, you just, this hooking you up. Basically, they like glom onto you and be like, I'm your driver while you're here. <laughs> and that's it. And it worked out, you know, most, it works out. Uh, it worked out for me. I had a really, you know, good driver. Uh, he was good and I felt very fine paying him as much money as I could. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, you get driven out to the temples and then none of the locals can go, can enter the temple grounds. So you get out of your, your little, uh, you know, whatever your, 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 your carriage thing, whatever this thing, you're in a carriage being pulled by a motorcycle. That's basically what it is. It's not really a tuk-tuk technically. Um, and then you walk in and there's this local surrounding the temples and you pass through them and there's a lot of people begging. There's a lot of kids. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Here's another layer another layer of society and then you go in and the tourists are all inside and it's like a totally different scene in there because the locals can't get in which is crazy uh there's no question that it's one of the most magnificent places i've ever been that i was spiritually moved that i was uh emotionally moved that as a a, a tiny human being on the planet in the, the scale of time that's passed since that was a, a living city. You know, it was like the center of Asia for a while and, and what it was and what it is and how unbelievably powerful the place is. You can feel it. It's very strong. There's all that. But then 
outside the gates, you, you know, when you're heading back to your driver or whatever, there's, there's tents kind of put up and, um, there's food, you know, you can buy some food and there's kids everywhere and the kids are all selling postcards and they're all the same postcards and it's a mass of people. And, um, I had been to some countries that have a poor populace with you get a lot of begging going on and there's a culture of begging and it's tough. I mean, it's as an emotional, caring person, it's a hard thing to sit, especially with kids and sit there and just say no, 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 I don't want it. And knowing that you got all this money in your pocket and they know that you got all this money, they know that you've got that you're rich compared to them because you flew on a plane and you got into their country. I mean, however you got there, whether it was over the land or whatever, it required an enormous amount of money and you got money. You're saying no, no, no. And uh, it was just so intense. And there was a moment where a travel partner bought Either maybe I did. I don't know. But, you know, you you like pick a kid and you buy the postcards and then 10 more kids rush you and start, you know, glomming onto you and freaking out. And you you got to, you know, and then it's crazy because you're stuck with that emotion of like, well, I want to give them all money, but I don't need all these postcards and they're all the same. The whole idea of an exchange of money for goods goes out the window because it's not really about an exchange of money for goods. It's just like, I need money. We need money because we're we're starving. We're poor. We have nothing. And you have it. Um, so really twist your brain around. Now, on the other hand, I did infuse money into the economy as as broadly as I could. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of questionable decisions you know you got to make around that. Is it right to spend the money to go and do this thing and be in this place when your presence continues to push forward the uh, this environment where the poor uh, remain at the bottom? And the rich remain at the top and exploit everyone around them. Is that the right thing for you to do in the world? I'm not sure that I have an answer for that, but it is. It's something to grapple with. It's something something to grapple with. So that's you know I I I am so happy I went to Angkor Wat. I still am saddled with the. Uh, the guilt and the uncertainty of whether that was actually the right thing to do. How do you how do you figure that out? How do you justify that? So, next topic. I had one other. I mean, so let, let's jump topic off that. I mean, I I don't know. It's a it's so heavy. It's so real. Um, but. Uh, Another, let's just get into an, a little interesting story. Let's. Cl- I'm going to close this up a bit here. I mean, I've been rambling and rampant on this one, and I'm having a good time with it. Talking Paul, from Paul Simon to, to CM Reap. Who knew? Um, 
one i'm jumping way forward toward the end of the cambodia adventure the going so my friends who'd been there before said you can go north from phnom penh and you can cross the uh the northern cambodian border with the southern cambodia or the southern border of laos and you can go in that way and then they're like well but you need to you need to be aware it's a quote-unquote unofficial border <laughs> there's not an actual well it's not it's an unofficial border you know like, you're not supposed to cross there but you can okay <laughs> okay so uh, you go through this process and, you know, taking the bus up and get up north in the last town uh, before the border is Stung Trang. And you, and, you know, the way things work, it's just all so smooth and simple. Just pull into town, find a, um, a guest house, let them know that you want to cross the border and I think they already have stuff listed out, you know, like they got all the stuff listed out of all the things that you can pay to go do. And that's one of them, you know, trip to the border, border crossing, whatever. So they spend the night next day, get in the car with this, get in an old American car with this guy and his young wife and start driving north. Oh, and actually that was, there was a couple of, uh, I think they were Dutch, young Dutch couple that joined in and so we're going in this car and you could go north uh, via fast boat if you chose but those were notoriously dangerous uh, the fast boats were known to crash into rocks and different things and people died so yeah there's no need to do that uh get in the car and you you're driving <clears throat> i was really lost as far as directions i thought we were on the wrong side of the river the road is completely uh gravel and um you know you're just i mean here you are you're this was a ticket that was bought and the ride was being ridden ride the ride uh this was an uncertain thing but i guess i felt kind of okay enough i don't know so you're just in the car and you're going and they're driving and there's all this construction these road crews I think with the end goal was they were gonna put pavement down, but there's these big trucks and they're 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 driving and this guy is behind them and uh, and as in my earlier tale on the highway to see him reap, it's just kicking up dust and you can't see anything and he's trying to get around them and you know and then he he guns it and he gets around them and you don't you can't see what's in the cloud and all this stuff and he gets around them and it was really weird this guy gets around him and he's really pissed off our driver. And he comes to a screech, he gets around to the front of them and comes to a screeching halt and jumps out of the car and starts yelling at these guys. And his wife's like trying to tell him to leave it. I knew this was happening. It was in Cambodia, but I could tell it was in Khmer, speaking in Khmer. And, you know, he growled at her and barked at her and she stopped. And uh, I think he had a gun. I don't know. But there was this whole showdown that went on and you're in there. And, you know, here we are, and the Dutch people, everybody's eyes are wide, and they're like, we don't know what's about to happen. This is uh, not a responsible move that this driver is making, and we're stuck in the middle of it. But he had a say, whatever went down, nobody got shot, thank God. 
and he got back in the car and he and he kept driving and then we drive in and you drive it must have been like 45 minutes or something driving and then then the road turns into like we drive into the woods the road turns into a two track and we're driving through the woods on a two track and it's like this is really weird <laughs> what is going on and then you come up to this area and there's a house and there's a couple guys um, playing soccer with their kids, a couple families they are playing soccer and we pull up and then, uh, you know, everybody out and the Cambodian dude talks to this other guy and they're like, all right. And they go and uh, the guy, he's in the shorts and he goes and he grabs the sh- shirt, which is a uniform top. And he comes and then he, he gets in behind the, I think I talked about this already. He gets in behind the, the this little, you know, uh, stand, a wooden stand that you could sell fruit at. And he, uh, he, he, you know, we pay him our money, which was a bribe, but it was all very clear. Like it's more, it felt more like you're just paying a fee to get into the country. And he did his thing and stamped the, the passports and we went on our way and, and there were other cars on the other side just kind of hanging out and you just get picked up and taken off to where we were going, which was in southern Laos. And it's just like this this uncertain border crossing, you know. I mean, it's I'm not advocating anybody going out and doing things like this. But if you do your research and you pay attention and you have a little faith Typically, things work out. Um, I can say this, though, having had friends who could provide information who did this once made a difference. And the crazy thing is, is they got their information from other travelers. So pay attention to your traveling networks when you're out in the world. Um, uh, Lonely Planet Thorn Tree is a really good resource to get on and do some checking what people's reports are for, you know, where you're going within days. You know, you can see people like, I was just here. This is what's going on. Don't go here. Don't do that. Don't trust this. Do this. This is good. But, you know, that personal word of mouth, like people that uh, my friends were traveling with or people they met said, hey, do this thing. This is okay. And this is how you do it. And then they passed it on to us. And, you know, the whole thing, it just rolled. But it's a little sketchy. Now, that was 13 years ago. I have no idea what Cambodia is like now. Cambodia, when I was there, from the year that my friends had been there, the year before, the country I entered was totally different than the country they entered. And by now, who knows what's going on. But that's just a little tiny talk story. I just wanted to throw a little talk story in at the end because that's what I was supposed to do for the whole episode and I didn't do it. But I'm just, it's a nice, clean ending. So you should be aware that uh, there will be more world travel commentary, as always, and uh, there may not be a couple episodes here, a couple weeks of episodes, uh, most likely two weeks without the the virus in your ears, but uh, I will return, and I look forward to it, entering into the next 10 episodes. We're starting at number 11, and we're going to keep going. Uh, we'll just see what happens. I can tell you this. I got people lined up to sit and talk with me. I got the gear. There's another microphone in the room. Whoever wants to come over, I'm ready to talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. 
anyway, I hope that uh, it's uh, summer starting, and I hope everybody's having a lovely spring summer start. And I wish you well in the world. Take care of yourselves and be kind to little children and animals and your parents. Be good. Take uh, take a well-needed nap and do something fun. <laughs> okay, later! Later!